Listener Production. We know that in the workplace, we don't really want a boss who just says, here's my way, here's how you're going to do it, and then micromanages us. And we know that's not an ideal leadership style, and yet many of us go home and do the exact thing that we wouldn't really want someone to do to us, this command and control style of leadership. I'm Margie Hartley, executive coach to senior leaders around the globe, and this is Fast Track. Parents who work in today's fast-paced, volatile and at times disorientating world can easily lose track of who they are and what really matters most. Feelings of reactivity and running from one thing to the next abound, and many parents describe that they feel guilt at work because they aren't at home, and guilt at home because they aren't doing work. My next guest says it doesn't need to be this way, and that you can thrive in all parts of your life by harnessing the powerful science of leadership. I'm feeling like I could have done with these tips 26 years ago. Organisational psychologist Professor Alyssa Westring and her co-author Stuart Friedman have written Parents Who Lead. Together, they've got decades of experience teaching leadership at elite universities in the US, writing and speaking to Fortune 500 companies about leadership, authoring books and articles and delivering TED Talks and podcasts on leadership throughout the world, as well as researching. Today, Professor Alyssa Westring joins me to expand on the premise in her book, Parents Who Lead, that we need to parent with purpose, an evidence-based approach to forging great relationships with ourselves, our children and their world. I'm dying to find out more and see if an empty nester like me might get some tips as well. Welcome, Alyssa. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm curious, what does it mean to be a parent who leads and why don't many working parents think of themselves as leaders? I think that a lot of us think of leadership as something that you do when you're in a formal position of authority in an organization, when you have direct reports or subordinates, people who you're directly in charge of. And what we found in our research and our work for the last 20 years is that leadership is something that everyone can do. And that when you cultivate a leadership mindset, you actually approach your work and your life in a different way. And that helps you to be more proactive and to make choices that really align with what matters most to you. And the best part is that our research shows that when people do this, they can actually improve their performance in their family domain, in their communities, in their self, their mind, their body, their spirit, and at work at the same time. And that seems like a really tall order, but it it really is possible when you reframe your approach from, instead of thinking about things as a trade-off in order to do better at work, I have to give up something at home. And instead you start to think about creative ways to make things better across domains. So is this the leadership mindset that you talk about that helps parents reframe this approach? And if so, what is the the mindset? Sure. So 
There are decades and decades of research on what makes effective leaders in organizations. And what we've done is take that and apply it to leading in all parts of life. So we know what great leaders do. They know their values, they know what's most important to them, and they have a vision of where they want to go. They engage with their stakeholders in all parts of life to get on the same page, to align goals and to create a shared vision. And then they experiment with new ways of doing things. And when they do that, they create this mindset of continuous positive growth, not you know, like me and like many parents where I always was like, okay, I have to find the exact right solution to this work-life challenge or this parenting problem. Like there's one answer out there and it's our job to uncover it. And in reality, what leaders do is they try and they iterate and they reflect and they evolve and they get the people around them to support them in this process. And over time, this leads to really transformational benefits for everybody. How does that look for a parent? So you've got your kids at home, you've got a group of people you're leading at work. It's very well to say I have a mindset approach to my leadership, but what's actually happening at home? We're sitting down with the kids and saying, what's our vision for ourselves? What are our <laughs> goals that are happening? How are we going to organize ourselves? You know, most yes, parents... <laughs> actually. Because <laughs> most parents approach that with saying, okay, I'm in charge and, and, you know, we can discuss, but I decide. Right. So I think, you know, certainly there's... There's things that, you know, if you sit down and you ask your kids, okay, what should our goals be as a family? And they say, you know, to eat more candy and watch more uh, TikTok. The conversation doesn't just stop there. But from a very young age, you can start to say, what are our values as a family? What's most important to us? And kids are smart. They'll pick it up, right? They can participate in this. and, And as parents, we can guide them. But from when my kids were very little, we always had kindness, fairness, fun. And those were sort of our three guiding values. And when I did things in the family, when we made decisions that maybe weren't popular, um, we talked about how that's fair or how that's the kind thing to do. And kids can get on board with that. And as they've grown, the way that I talk to my kids about our values has shifted. But what the values are and the values that guide me as a working parent really don't change that much over time. So... You know, when you talk to a three-year-old about fairness, you might talk about how you divide up the M&Ms between them and their sister. When you talk to my son is now turning 13, you know, we're talking about social justice. We're talking about racism. We're talking about poverty. We're talking about deep social and cultural issues and really expanding what, what we do as a family and how we think about our values as they evolve. But values tend to be a really good guidepost for people throughout their lives and they don't really change all that much. And the vision and values, of course, is in a really essential part of leading at work. And so you're saying, let's just do that in the home environment and include everybody. Exactly. So many of us, you know, we know that in the workplace, we don't really want a boss who just says, here's my way, here's how you're going to do it, and then micromanages us. And, and we know that's not an ideal leadership style. And yet many of us go home and do the exact thing that we wouldn't really want someone to do to us, uh, this command and control style of leadership. But instead, when we think about, okay, what are our shared values? How do we work together? How do we talk to, about 
what matters most to us and work together towards that and try things, Mm. right? Try new ways of doing things as a family and seeing what works and what doesn't work and being willing to, to change and evolve and getting the kids willing to do that as well. You know, you're actually cultivating their leadership skills when when they are empowered to try something and say, okay, we, we tried changing the bedtime by an hour. How did it go? Was I cranky? How did I act? How did I feel? And then they become little mini experimenters as well. And really self-aware, I'd imagine, yes. in the process. Yeah. And nothing's perfect. You talk about continuous growth at work and iterating and experimenting. And this is what you're talking about doing at home. That feels kind of unsafe in some ways. Yeah, I mean, you have to admit to yourself and to your kids that you don't have it all figured out. And that is risky. And it is risky to try new things. And of course, you know, I I tell people generally, like, don't try a work experiment that's going to get you fired. Similarly, you know, in the home domain, don't try a home experiment that's going to you know, cause a divorce or, or upheaval in your children's life. But what we find is that it can be really small changes. So, you know, I can, I can give you an example from my own life. Mm. During the early days of the pandemic, we found ourselves every night just vegging out on the couch together, watching TV, and everybody was kind of bored and cranky. They'd been on their computers all day, and I'd been on my computer all day. And so we started taking turns, picking the activity for the night. And one day it would be my husband's turn and he'd pick a board game and then it'd be my turn and I'd pick a walk. And then the kids, you know, one of my kids would pick a movie. And we tried that experiment and it was great when we were all home every night and none of us had any activities. Well, now I've got kids going to ballet and baseball and thing, and there's more homework and everything's different. So that experiment, it served its purpose. It helped us have fun. It helped us spend quality time together. But it's not really working anymore because now it's like, well, what if someone's day got skipped, et cetera? So now as a family, we're trying to figure out what's the next experiment for our evenings together when we have evenings together. And we haven't figured it out yet, Mm. but we're going to be working on, you know, that's the dinner conversation is what should we try next? Mm, I really love that. And I remember when I got divorced and we were a new looking family, there were the three daughters and I what we decided to do was do date night on a Friday night. And date night meant everybody bought a date and we'd go to a cheap restaurant, we'd eat dinner and that was our thing. And then people, as they got older, could go out afterwards, whatever. It was a little mini ritual. Well, that's fallen way off, right? And when they were at universities, we had tight-ass Tuesdays, which were, (laughs) you know, cheap meals for whoever wanted to come and sit around the table on a Tuesday. So it was just sort of like some line in the sand. But I really love this idea of changing the rituals, not morning when they they disappear. I mean, they can certainly be, it can be sad, right? To, to realize that a phase that you loved has passed, but that's going to happen whether we like it or not. So we might as well get on board with how we, how we think about these things. Then change is constant. So I'm curious about how overwhelmed parents can refocus their attention in ways that better align with their priorities. Have you got any ideas for the overwhelmed parent? Yeah, I mean, I think most parents are overwhelmed these days. We're still figuring out how things are going to go and and how we're going to manage this new world that we're all living in. And I think the first step that I always, you know, talk to overwhelmed people, whether they're working parents or not, 
is to pause and to kind of give yourself a minute of compassion to say, this is really hard. I am mm. not a failure because this is hard. And I talk to a lot of type A professional, young professionals who are really, you know, pursuing their careers aggressively. And of course, it's overwhelming. So, you know, the first step is just to pause and take stock of how things are going right now. Where are you spending your energy? Where is your attention going currently? What are you doing that feels really good, that feels value added? What are you doing that feels like a waste of time, that you're bored, that you don't want to be doing? And just looking for little opportunities where maybe you could make a change. And it's not going to be obvious. And, and I say this frequently to my type A professional audience, because if it were obvious, you would have done it already, right? You're, we're all smart, driven, hardworking people. Mm -hmm. If the answer were obvious, you would have figured it out and made the change. So the skill is pausing and looking and asking and talking and thinking creatively to look for those hidden opportunities that you may not have thought of. And that doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're going to be less overwhelmed. It just means maybe you're taking a small step in the right direction or thinking about a year down the road, you may be interested in making a career change or realizing that when this baseball season's over, maybe you're not going to sign your kid up for a team that practices five days a week, right? <laughs> it's I'm, I'm speaking from personal experience here. So as you just start to look around, you can start to notice opportunities. And what we find is that small changes tend to have a much bigger impact than people expect. It reminds me of David Peterson, the famous coach, saying, just zoom out. Mm -hmm. Just zoom out and take the moment to reflect and then recalibrate so you can you can act. Yeah, and in, in Parents Who Lead, in the book, we have a lot of activities that, you know, we, we hope will guide people through that process, but not every activity is going to work for every person. When I coach some groups of people, I have them track their time in 30-minute increments for an entire week. Wow. And we analyze it and we look at our pie charts and, you know, we, we look at how we're spending time, not just work versus home, et cetera, but really micro level, how are we spending our time and energy? You know, if I'm doing a 30-minute talk or a presentation for an organization, I might just have them think about this for two minutes uh -huh. and say, you know, in general, how are you, are you dividing up your attention? So... There's lots of ways to get at this information, but all of them, they require that pause, that zoom out that you mentioned. I love that there are some practical activities to try and experiment with. I just want to take us back to the pandemic for a moment because I feel like it's really shifted the needs and values and goals of working parents. And where we might have been looking for some balance before, now we might be mourning the loss of what you described as a a deep family experience. So how has it shifted for parents? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I think, you know, first of all, there's many parents who still have children who aren't able to be vaccinated and they're really still living in a phase of the pandemic, at least here in the US, where things feel very precarious. However, for many of us, we've gotten back to what's 
you know, more normal. Kids going to school, leaving the house, doing activities. And many of us have gone back to the workplace as well. So I think there's this sense of what really matters most and what we're willing to put up with. And the, that goes on, on both sides, on the family side and the work side and the self-care and our own health. Uh, I, I think the pandemic really heightened our awareness of what we actually care about. And many of us aren't necessarily transitioning, just sort of accepting work as, as we thought it had to be and asking for things to be different and looking for things to be different. And, you know, that takes leadership as well. If you want to change your career or change the way your job looks, talking to people in the workplace about values and visions and goals, all of that takes time and energy, but there is room for change in some careers and some jobs that room might be bigger or smaller, but there's generally some wiggle room in there where we can, um, align our work and our life a little bit more with what we actually care about. Yeah, I love that answer. Are the principles that you recognise with this parents who lead, do you feel that's applicable just ongoing, putting these principles into practice in different situations? Absolutely. So parents who lead is actually drawn from a best-selling business book called Total Leadership, written by Stu Friedman, and I did a lot of the research that supported that book. And total leadership is these same principles of being a leader in all parts of life, not specifically applied to or targeting working parents. So that course is taught, for instance, at the Wharton Business School, and it's taught to executive MBAs and undergrads, all in different phases of life. So we've got decades and decades of research from total leadership. And what we did to create parents who lead was actually look at the data that we had gathered from those decades of work and specifically look at the experiences of working parents. And then we gathered a whole bunch of more working parents and said, how can we adjust this? And they went through a year of working with us on all of these activities and and projects and trying to help us think about total leadership in light of the specific experience of working parents. But the principles haven't changed. The principles of being a leader in all parts of life uh, were something that that were developed not specifically for parents and really apply to anybody in any stage of life. I love the universal and, and of course, Total Leadership and Stu Friedman's book that you've researched with him is just an extraordinary Bible for leadership. And I really love that this is about putting principles into practice in different parts of your life and specifically the struggle of being a parent. I do want to ask you about the struggle for parents when they become addicted to work and obviously loving being a parent, but we are work addicted. I see it a bit. What are your theories? So this is something I've thought a lot about actually, but haven't written or spoken that much about. So uh, I'm glad you asked it. I think that when many of us crafted our identities of who we are and what matters most to us. We did that, you know, before we even had kids and we defined success. And we said, this is what success looks like to me before maybe we even had kids or very early on in our life. And a lot of us stick with those ideas of what success looks like and don't take the time to say, maybe that definition of success that looks like climbing the corporate ladder and getting raises and 
being more and more powerful. Maybe that's not my definition of success. But until you stop using that lens of success, or at least challenging that approach to success and saying, is that my definition of success? The answer may be yes. And if that's the case, go for it. There's nothing inherently wrong with loving your work and working a lot. But if you're doing it because you've adopted some abstract idea or someone else's idea of what success looks like, and it feels when you really stop and think about it, it feels hollow to you, then maybe it's time to redefine success on your own terms. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that there's nothing inherently wrong with working and working hard and working a lot if it is part of a broader vision and values for your life and the life of the people that you are sharing that life with, particularly a partner and children. What a brilliant answer. I think there's your next book (laughs) where you're looking at what is work addiction and how we manage ourselves. Uh, I'm fascinated by this topic. I think the timing is brilliant for this book, Parents Who Lead. I love the deep evidence base that sits behind it, the proven methods or principles that are being applied and that you've got practical tips in the book for people who are in different situations and different life stages and trying their best to honour being a parent and their work life and achievement. Are there any last tips or insights that might help us? Yeah, so the one thing that I'd love to reinforce is how important it is not just for you to know your values and your vision, but start to tell the people around you who you are and what you care about. Because one of the most resounding findings from our work is that there's a lot more love and support out there for you than people often realize. But if people don't know what you care about and where you want to go, it's really hard for them to help you get there. So the simple practice of just sharing a little bit more, being a little bit more vulnerable, can create this network around you that allows you to find more harmony in the different parts of life. Oh, I love that. Thank you, Professor Alyssa Westring. I would love to talk to you some more. But this book, I think, is going to be incredibly useful and successful for all the parents coming out of pandemic for a change in the way that we live and integrate and have a relationship with our work and our parenting. So thank you so much for the time today. It's been a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you so much for having me. Fast Track was presented by me, Margie Hartley. Producer, Tina Matalov. Audio production by Nikki Sitch. Executive producer, Jennifer Goggin. Listener.